0: Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson show. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, all right. So I had to go back and listen to that full clip. Um oh my. This is I, I got to let me pull it back up here cuz I had it and then I closed my browser and then it went away. This is I and you you would never know I'm a professional. <laughs> okay this is this is the clip and then i gotta read you the story this is stacy abrams debut in star trek discovery as the president of united earth who is going to return earth to the federation i want to reroute my speakers here so you can hear her lines we greet the president of united earth <laughs>
1: Madam President. Madam President. Welcome.
0: I am so pleased that you've come. We are eager to begin diplomatic discussions.
2: Nothing to discuss. United Earth is ready right now to rejoin the Federation. And nothing could make me happier than to say those words. Thank you. Thank you all. What you have accomplished here. We were lucky to have each other, ma'am. We couldn't have succeeded otherwise. General. I'm glad to see you've recovered. Yes, I haven't had that close a call in quite a while. I would consider it a personal favor if that were your last close call. I may have been at your service, Madam President. Captain, may I have a word? Of course.
0: Oh my that that was that was Stacey Abrams' role. Now you you gotta you, you gotta you gotta listen here. This is the um, variety. Variety always fluffs up the Hollywood industry. I just, let me read you some of this. Abrams scene is the culmination of a two season arc on discovery, which began in season three, when the crew of the titular starship traveled nearly a thousand years into the future and discovered that the United Federation of planets is in tatters and earth is no longer a member in season four after Captain Michael Burnham and her crew save humanity's home world from total destruction, the president of earth arrives on the Federation starbase to declare her planet is ready to rejoin the Federation. We always knew that earth returning would be a big, big moment. And coming into season four, we knew it was going to happen in the finale, said executive producer, Michelle paradise, who also wrote the episode. As we started to look ahead to the finale, We realize we're going to need a face for this moment, someone to represent Earth. Paradise in her writer's room recalls interviews in which Abrams happily declared herself a diehard Trek fan. So much so, she binge-watched Discovery during her 2018 campaign for governor of Georgia. When the time came to start talking about the president of Earth, It seemed like, well, who better to represent that than her, said Paradise. After the writers came up with the idea in early 2021, Paradise says she texted executive producer Alex Kurzman to ask what he thought. The number of exclamation marks that came back was phenomenal. So they reached out to Abrams who got on a Zoom call with him to hear out the pitch, but only on the condition. They didn't spoil what happens in season four, only that it would require her to be in a scene. She was very specific about that. She wanted to enjoy it. Abrams, of course, said yes, and spent days in August at the Toronto studio. We were fanning out the whole time, just trying to cover it up, trying to be cool. We adopted her so fast. We were like... Your Star Trek family forever now. Both Paradise and Martin Green said they were impressed by how naturally the politician and activist acted. And they realized she had acted and directed plays both at her performing arts magnet high school in Georgia and at Spelman College. The experience certainly helped, given that Abrams' role was written to be more than just a two line stunt. We never wanted it to be cameo. It had to be a proper role, said Paradise. There's just something that made us think, well, of course she can do it. And she did. She blew us away. She was just so comfortable with what she was doing and knew exactly how to be and where to go at everything, adds Martin Green. I guess. I shouldn't have been surprised. I was taken aback and really moved by it. It really signaled the culmination of the season. Having her Stacey Abrams there because she's this symbol. She's a symbol of hope. She's a symbol of strength and connection and sacrifice and building something better than yourself that will last generations. That's exactly what we're talking about doing in the story, he said. Martin Green and the cast presented Abrams with an honorary trophy. (laughs) She gets an honorary trophy. She's not just the, the figment governor of Georgia. She's actually, she's the president of Earth. She's got a participation trophy. They gave her a captain's badge and a poem to commemorate her experience. It's a moment we all cherished. I think right now she's just the president of Earth, the producer said. President Stacy. We'll go with that. They needed a cigarette after talking about it. (laughs) They gave her participation, drove me to be the fake president of Earth. If Stacey Abrams doesn't win, can you imagine the obituary one day, the minority leader of the House of the State House of Georgia, the pretended governor of Georgia, the pretended president of Earth of the 26th century? <laughs> oh my gosh, she has become the black Beto O'Rourke. Remember when everybody fawned over Betta Oh, he says the F word and, and he's on a skateboard. She's now the, the black Beto O'Rourke. She's getting all the, all the, the media praise about it. indeed, my friends. I mean, th- this is she has gotten Beto O'Rourke style hagiographic coverage from the press. Stacey Abrams fawning over her on the set of Star Trek Discovery season four, where they have cast her in the role she was always meant for president of a united earth where they have purged the Republicans so there can be harmony, peace peace and rejoining the Federation of Planets with the Vulcans. Live long and prosper, President Abrams. Now, to the phones we go. Fred, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you today? Great.
2: Uh, I just got a question for you and a comment, if that's okay, sir. Sure. Uh, Bottom line is... uh, you touched on something a couple of weeks ago, and I thought you might go a little further with it. That has to do with Kamala's uh, position as president and her succession to the presidency. Because it would not surprise me at all if the uh, media turns more and more on Joe Biden. I think they've already started it to a point. And it will come to a climax after the November elections. And as long as he waits till at least January 21st, if I'm correct, she could actually run for two more terms as president. Is that not correct?
0: Yeah, she could. Except, your your wrong, for the, the the climax came after the left found out Stacey Abrams was going to be on Star Trek. But we'll let that slide.
2: <laughs> well, well, that that is true, you know. And of course, the federation that she's talking about joining may be the one that the current administration's allowed to grow over in the uh, uh, the other continents right now. The federation, yeah. of Putin. but. Uh, Listen, you know what? I'm not willing
0: to discount your theory here, Fred. I mean, things are a disaster for Biden. If the Democrats get wiped out, and it looks like they're going to, I mean, Biden will, he's going to be a lame duck anyway. People already know he's not going to win. I mean even the Democrats there was a poll out in Florida that a majority of Florida Democrats if given the choice today would replace Joe Biden with Hillary Clinton of all people who couldn't even beat Donald Trump. Um yeah, I don't see why they don't do it after the midterms. I now this would be a a, a Biden decision. They they don't there's they don't want to do the 25th amendment option. The Democrats I mean the Republicans didn't the Democrats won't there's no way. But Maybe he's tired of it. Maybe he throws in the towel. Maybe he decides the Democratic Party needs a reboot. Here's here's the thing. And this is why I don't think anyone can dismiss what Fred's asking here for a very simple reason. The Democrats believe Donald Trump is an existential threat to the republic. If Joe Biden sees Republicans emboldened in November and they sweep into office at the federal and the state level, if he too believes that – it is, a, it is a threat. It is a threat to the world. If he too believes that that there is a chance that Donald Trump could beat him, why doesn't he step aside and allow the Democrats to reboot? The odds of it happening are small. It is possible but not probable. But a Republican landslide in November raises the probability of it happening. Would it not? The Democrats behind the scenes, nobody can push him out. But what if Joe Biden thinks, oh, my gosh, Joe, we got to go or Trump could come back in two years. It's just it's 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 not working. I mean, how bad is it? The White House is already abandoning, already abandoning. The whole talking point that it's Putin's fault that gas prices are so high.
2: The invasion of Ukraine and the volatility of the oil market is no excuse for excessive price increases, profit padding, or any effort to exploit American consumers. No one should capitalize on Putin's aggression by taking advantage of American families. And this chart, uh, which you see here, shows both the price of crude oil and you see where, where it is as it relates to the price of gasoline and as you've seen it gone that go down the price of gasoline obviously has not gone down so that is the explanation of that particular chart
0: oh yeah the the price of gasoline hasn't gone down you know the price of gasoline never actually goes down immediately After oil prices, gas prices go up immediately when oil prices go up. Gas prices lag about a week to two weeks behind oil prices going down. Why? Because the futures market uh, banks in potential future turmoil. Gas prices are measured based on where the barrels of oil are. But when the gas, when the oil price goes down, gas tends to historically stay high for a week or two. Because you never know about the volatility in the meantime and the transitioning over. But the fact that the White House is moving away from it's Putin's problem to oil companies are greedy tells you everything you need to know. Elizabeth Warren is in on the act as well. What causes inflation? So I think the primary
2: cause of this bout of price increases starts with COVID and the fact that we have supply chain kinks and uh, that people rapidly shifted the demand curve so that uh, demand for services went down and demand for goods went up. Uh, So those two have forced prices up, that's part one. But what has also happened is that now that we live in an America where there's a lot more concentration in certain industries, look at the oil industry, look at uh, meat industry, look at groceries generally, that what's happened is these companies have said, you know, we'll pass along costs, but
0: while we're at it and everyone's talking about rising costs, let's just add an extra big dollop of cost increases to expand our profits. Don't you just love that it's it's all the greedy businesses. It's never the government's fault. The government is never to blame. It's the big greedy industries they're to blame for this. When everyone predicted if the Biden administration passed the big COVID plan, inflation would go up. Inflation goes up, it's like, no, oh, it's not really them. It's it's, a, it's those, those bad corporations. It's a bad, it's never us. Actually, you know, maybe you should look in the mirror, Elizabeth. I sleep well at night under Bolin Branch sheets. And I need to tell you, my family, we were customers before I started endorsing them. It's what I like to do. I like to be familiar with the product and like it. And I love the bowl and Branch sheets. One of the reasons I love them is because they are super soft sh- sheets. i got to say that word right. But... They've got a little weight to them. So so you feel somewhat more snuggled. Like I've got some uh, sheets I, that came with the new mattress, and they're so light. It's like there's nothing on top of you, and I can't sleep well with them because they're, I mean, it's just, and then they bunch up the, the, man, the satiny soft feel of the Bowling Branch sheets. It makes a real big difference. Listen you've got so many options out there right now. You can go to a department store, you have so many options, but there's no reason to because with Bowl and Branch, you get high quality sheets. They've got a great thread count. They're perfect. They've got plenty of color options. You sleep well under them because they're soft and they're durable and they've got a little bit of weight, the perfect amount of weight for a sheet. Now, I want you to go out there and order Bowling Branch sheets because they are comfortable. You got, I mean, they're environmentally friendly. They're built around sustainability. And you got quality that lasts. You know, a lot of the companies that advertise all the environmentally friendly stuff, their sheets don't last. I can tell you, my bowl and branch sheets have lasted a long time and they get softer over time. Experience the best sheets you've ever felt at bowlandbranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code Eric E-R-I-C-K at checkout. That's Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D Branch.com. The promo code Eric E R I C K. Yes you can. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Let's go back to the phones. Chuck, you're gonna be up next. Welcome to the program.
2: Hey Eric, how's it going? Great, how are you? Doing fantastic, driving home from work. Nice. So uh, I wanted to talk to you about uh Stacey Abrams being on Star Trek and everything. <laughs> you know, I've been a Star Trek fan my whole life. And I've I've been pretty much done with Discovery since about the middle of last season. I mean it's not a good
0: show. I uh, You know, I never started it. Uh, the reviews that I heard at the beginning when it was coming out was it was just too woke to begin with. And uh, so many friends of mine have told me. In fact, one buddy of mine, Ryan, was texting me earlier and said the whole show depressing. Everybody's got depression. Even the even the ship computer has depression. Um, it's just not <laughs> a not a great show. Uh, and I've heard that. That uh, some of the up and coming shows potentially they got the one with the Christopher Pike Enterprise coming out that that may be good but I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of me on even Picard it's just I I want like really? a real Star Trek I, now I like it better than than what I've seen of Discovery I'm I'm probably gonna push through the second I watched the whole first season I'll push through the second season but. I don't know. Oh, we it, really, we really enjoyed Picard so far. Well, I, I'm, I'm, just... I'm hoping that this second season. I just always find that Star Trek, uh, when it when it goes time travelly, it's trying to cop out, and I, that's what I'm worried about here. But you know, I'm a Star Trek fan. I, I love, I like Star Wars. I like Star Trek both, uh, for different yeah. reasons. Always have. Uh, and I'm, I'm willing to, I'm willing to play out Picard. But Discovery, I don't even want to start it. I'm hoping for the Pike series being better. Walt, you're up next. Welcome, Walt. How are you? <laughs> How you doing, Eric? Great. What's going on? Well, I um, I actually won
2: a walk on on Star Trek Into Darkness. Got to meet JJ and him and his crew that day. Yeah, it was a pretty amazing experience. And one of the things that JJ loves to do is kind of these uh, stunts to include all kinds of people in the movies and shows. And I would imagine that when somebody called and said, hey, here's another opportunity to get somebody involved who's uh, not your typical Star Trek fan or whatever, and um, being as woke as Hollywood is now, they probably just jumped at the opportunity to do something unique and and weird. Um, And probably didn't realize how stupid this was going to come across.
0: Oh, I, I, I'm sure they did. They're all in there. When, when you read the Variety article, uh, the current producers of the show are huge Abrams fans. And by the way, Stacey Abrams is a massive Star Trek fan, uh, and has been. Uh, and she she likes sci-fi. So do I. Um, uh, she she's in, she's she's an author of novels and stuff. And so yeah, I mean I'm I'm sure they thought she's a perfect fit. She lines up ideologically with them. Let her on. But my gosh, the Variety article of them fawning over. She's such a natural to be the president of the New Earth and the New Federation. Uh, she's just wonderful. She she got all of her marks. Clearly, it's from her high school drama days. I just, I mean, come on. Really? The, the whole thing is predictable. And by the way, I don't falter for doing it. If I was Stacey Abrams, and I, I'm a Star Trek fan, if Star Trek called me tomorrow and said, do you want to be the bad guy in Star Trek and get killed in the first minute? Heck, Yes. I can still say I was in Star Trek. I I don't blame her at all. What I just, I think is remarkable, though, is one, if she were conservative, it never happened, and two, the absolute fawning over this by Variety and by the Hollywood left, she's just such a natural. She's just so, of course, we need someone to represent Earth, and who better than Stacey Abrams? Really? Really? All right. When we come back, the insurance commissioner for the state of Georgia, John King, he is asking companies that do business in Georgia, who insurance related, to get out of Russia. We're going to talk about it when he comes back. When we come back, welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. Across the nation, uh, nationwide, uh, the federal government and state governments are urging companies to divest from Russia. Uh, One of those are insurance companies uh, and and other companies similarly situated. And one of the insurance commissioners in the nation that is pushing for companies to divest from Russia is the insurance commissioner of Georgia, John King. He is joining me by phone. Commissioner King, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, Eric. Thank you so much for allowing me to be on your show.
0: Absolutely. So uh, let's dig into this now. Uh, How many of the companies that are within your purview as insurance commissioner, do you think are doing business in Russia?
1: I think as, as interconnected as all our insurance companies and, and financial institutions are, are involved in a global economy, there's probably I – would, I would not be surprised if all of them are. And so what, what we're asking them is take a look at your books, take a look at your investments, and, and be a good corporate American – and uh, don't allow you know the opportunity or the profits or or, or any resources coming from you know from our, from our economy to benefit the the Russian Federation. As you can imagine, you know a lot of people pay you know pay a lot of attention at, at the military uh, you know capabilities of our of our nation. But I'll tell you, the economic uh, you know power of this nation is is incredible, and and I think are a little, you know, we, we can actually have an impact on the decision-making at the senior leadership of, of the Russian Federation.
0: Well, I, I'm hoping that's the case. It's just, it's kind of, um, it's, it's interesting to me, the movement, uh, of American companies, some of whom are doubling down there. I saw the, uh, the Coke, uh, enterprises is not leaving, but then Papa John's and others have left. And, Uh, growing movement for these other financial companies to to move as well. I I actually, if you don't mind, I want to deviate with you for just a minute in this because you were a major general of the National Guard. Uh, You're the commander of the 48th Infantry uh, Brigade Combat Team. You were in Bosnia, Iraq, Afghanistan. Uh, As you look at the Russians on the ground and in, in Ukraine, or are, are you kind of as, as flabbergasted as others that, uh, this, they seem not to be doing what the much uh, vaunted Russian army was expected to do that the Ukrainians are holding them back.
1: You know, I had, uh, I had the opportunity to, when I was in Bosnia to, uh, get to see the Russian, because we, 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 serve alongside a Russian parachute brigade uh, there in Bosnia. And I was, uh, you know, the, I think we were able to look behind the curtain, uh, you know, they have a great PR, uh, system. They have a fantastic, but I'll tell you, I, I had feelings that, that they were a paper tiger. Uh, they got lots of capability, but the logistics in, and I got to see the Ukrainian military operating in Iraq, a uh, very passionate, working very closely with the Polish army, both in Iraq and in, and, and later in Afghanistan and, uh, very independent fiercely uh, uh you know fierce fighters and so uh honestly i i i'm not surprised uh, it it's everybody focuses on the sh- on the shiny you know the tanks and, and the missiles, but you know what the American military is the only military in the world that can sustain their military in the field, and we've proven that numerous numerous times like iraq afghanistan you know syria no other military in the world can do the hard, the hard math, the hard work of sustaining a military in a field. And the Russians have proven that they're a paper tiger.
0: Yeah, I just I'm I'm flabbergasted by, and I guess to some degree this is the first time we've seen uh, modern army warfare against each other—the uh, javelins and, and the Stinger missiles up against the Russians. I, I'm I'm continue to be fascinated, and now the New York Times saying Russian soldiers are just. Walking off into the woods—it's not something I would have expected. Um, now, I, speaking of things not expected, my intentional transition here—you uh, were appointed to become insurance commissioner in the state of Georgia. Uh, it's not a—it's not a position you sought. Uh, the prior insurance commissioner had to step away due to scandal. He was ultimately found guilty in a federal court of uh, crimes, you had to step into the void and and build back up this office. And now you're gonna be on the ballot. You are the first statewide uh, official in Georgia of Hispanic descent, now up for election in Georgia. You got a a campaign across the state. What's it like to suddenly find yourself as an actual politician having to campaign in Georgia?
1: I'll tell you, uh, I'm enjoying going out to communities all across Georgia and having a conversation with folks about what does you know most people don't even know what the insurance commissioner does and, and so we have a great record now two and a half years of, of solid performance of of working to re, to reduce the cost of all forms of insurance to going out after fraudsters to you know locking up criminals who have been operating in this space and and so i'm, I'm proud to put that record against anyone and and so we have some great ideas um, you know, I, three years ago, I did not, uh, you know, didn't wake up say, "Boy, I can't wait to be the insurance commissioner." The, uh, Governor Kemp asked me to serve, and and, and so I, I stepped into this role uh, to serve. Uh, and I, we, I, I strongly feel, we're making a difference to Georgia consumers, and I want to make sure that all the changes that we made to this organization uh, become permanent. And, and that's really what's focusing me every day.
0: Now. It, it, how is your, in dealing with insurance companies in particular in Georgia, you got healthcare care costs are going up, costs in general are going up. Uh, how What is your role as insurance commissioner in dealing both with insurance companies and, and the surprise bill aspect and the cost aspect that consumers deal with?
1: Well, what, what we have is that we built a database of complaints. And so we, you know, a lot of times when people complain about, you know, insurance companies and the ways insurance companies are treating uh, people – is they have a lot of anecdotal evidence, and so we do is bring solid cases, solid, you know. And what we look at is we look at the products that these insurance companies are selling to consumers, and we're holding their feet to the fire. Is you either fulfilling your promise to the consumer or you're not. And if you don't, you, you we'll give you an opportunity to make the consumer, you know, whole. And if you don't, we'll sanction you. And so we we've had some tough conversations with insurance companies. They they're not getting their. You know if for some reason they thought that that uh, a chief of police or a soldier that's coming into this role wasn 't going to hold them accountable um you know i think they're're they're, they're surprised I think they 've been used to dealing with politicians and and, and so they' they're really you know i think they 're a little shocked and, and and shocking insurance companies is good because they need to do the right thing
0: <laughs> yes, they do, yeah, and they do need to divest from russia is there any sort of uh, compliance oversight or notification process, if any of these companies do divest or or don't divest, that uh, you guys the, have set up.
1: You know what? The competition space is so so severe between all the companies. The ones that will will tell us because they want to get obviously you know the support of this of this agency. And you know, of course, we reward people who 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 focus on the priorities of the state. Uh, Governor Kemp has been very clear. Speaker Ralston has been very clear. Uh, and, and I think I'm adding on to that clarity of you know, folks that are doing business with Russia and in, in funding uh, their, their uh, you know, horrible uh, method of, of warfare and in, in murdering innocent civilians in a country that's been an ally of the United States and many other parts of the world uh, should really reconsider what they're doing. Because uh, I think consumers and agencies like mine are going to look really hard about where, where their loyalties are. I sure hope so. Uh,
0: Commissioner King, is, it's always fantastic to have you on the show. And uh, I, again, I know you you never set out to have to run for statewide office. And given the position you're in, now you are. Uh, best of luck to you out on the campaign trail. And, and I appreciate you taking the lead on this. A lot of states uh, following your lead in, in trying to do this. So thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much, Eric. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Absolutely. Commissioner John King of Georgia. For, now, for those of you nationwide who are listening to this, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I realize he's a commissioner in Georgia. Um, it, it's a fascinating story, though. Uh, and it's why I, I didn't hesitate when his staff reached out to have him on. Uh, this is a guy who, he was a police officer. Well, you know, I should give you his background because his background here, if you're looking for a candidate uh, that, that you're intrigued by, this is one. He was a police officer. Uh, and he was a police officer, but not just any police officer. He was also a graduate of the FBI National Academy in Quantico. Then he went to the George International Law Enforcement Exchange Program in Israel. Then he became major general in the U.S. National Guard. He served as the commander for the 48th Infantry Brigade Combat Team. He was in Bosnia, Herzegovina. He was in Iraq. He was in Afghanistan. Uh, He uh, served as a military advisor for the Deputy Minister of Interior for Security in Afghanistan. Then during the pandemic, despite having become the insurance commissioner of Georgia because the old guy went to jail and they needed somebody. The National Guard called him back and he had to go around the nation setting up field hospitals. The Navajo territories and the like uh, went up to New Jersey as well uh, to Edison and Newark to set up field hospitals to contain COVID and, and the COVID overflow. He worked with the governor of the state of Georgia to maintain supply lines for hospitals in the state of Georgia. Just a deeply impressive career. And none of this stuff he chose. It's somewhat ironic uh, that Brian Kemp supported him, uh, put him in this position. He's the first statewide Hispanic official in Georgia. And the Trump team is lining up against someone against him in large part because Brian Kemp picked him. uh, And he has proven himself in the job. I mean, just so you have an idea of this, the insurance commissioner of Georgia was a guy named Jim Beck. I said before he got elected. Uh, that if if Beck got elected, it would end badly, it would end in scandal. And within months of that guy getting elected, uh, the Trump-appointed U.S. attorney for the Northern District of Georgia indicted him uh, for a scam where he was flowing insurance money, it sounds like, into his pocket. He was found guilty, sent off to Popo for a long time, and John King had to come in and pick up the pieces, put that insurance agency back together, and then COVID hit. And he's in the National Guard and he's traveling around the country helping in your state. I mean, he went to Texas, he went to New Orleans, he went to New Jersey, all over the country. And now comes back, the insurance commissioner found guilty, goes to jail. And so he is now the insurance commissioner, not just the interim insurance commissioner. Now he's got to run for office and he's not a politician. He didn't intend to ever run for statewide office and suddenly finds himself having to do so. It just is a, is an all-around good guy. He's got the Army Distinguished Service Medal. He's got the Legion of Merit Medal. He's got two bronze stars and is now the insurance commissioner of the state of Georgia. Heck of a ride for that guy uh, and now running for statewide office. If elected, he would be the first elected Hispanic uh, official in the state of Georgia. Uh, his native tongue is uh, Spanish. In fact, he's gone around... The nation uh, with the military and with COVID relief workers explaining to predominantly Spanish-speaking communities what they need to do to take care of themselves in the times of COVID. Just a fascinating person. Uh, Glad to have him um, on the show. Glad to have him in the position he's in. And now leading the charge with other insurance commissioners around the nation to try to get American insurance companies to divest of their Russian assets and interests, which is worth doing. Hello there. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. Now, we got other stuff that we got to talk about that we, well, filling in all the other stuff. I spent way too much time with the Stacey Abrams stuff, I admit. And my gosh, my allergies today. The number of times I've had to hit the mute button so I'm not sneezing in y'all's ear is just, I got to get back to my allergy shots. Nonetheless, I digress. Got to move on to other stuff. Uh, the Dornbircher Children's Hospital in Portland, Oregon, has a guide for children. This is the newest thing. Uh, it's called tucking, and it, it's it's encouraging kids not not grownups but kids, boys, on how to duct tape their boy parts, so that people don't know they're a boy. And then um, it gives them recommendations for uh, sex shops that sell gender-affirming clothing items, sex toys, videos, and more. The shop is for people age 18 or older, but they offer appointments before or after hours for younger shoppers. Do you all know what a a social contagion is? Social contagion is is a a, um, social disorder that spreads through society. Like the Salem Witch Trials, the number of girls who became convinced that they were possessed all of a sudden and all had similar stories. Uh, You you find these uh, over time. There are lots of documented stories as well of the number of people who they become violently ill, like they've been exposed to a poison of some kind. And there's nothing to explain it. Like uh, you heard stories in the the Middle Ages of people who got some sort of dancing sickness and they couldn't stop dancing until they fell over dead. And there's no explanation for it at all other than it's it's a social contagion. There's a unique uh, history within humanity of social contagions that um, are unexplained and spread through societies. There's a story from ABC News, ancient dancing outbreak, believed to be a case of social contagion. It was centuries ago, right around this time, when the city of Aachen, Germany, was struck by an unusual outbreak that spread as far away as Madagascar, according to some. According to the scant written accounts there are of the outbreak, known as St. Vitus's Dance, back in 1374, groups of people, sometimes thousands at a time, started dancing uncontrollably. It continued for days, and in some cases, weeks and months. Some people reportedly danced until they collapsed from exhaustion or even death, while others suffered heart attacks or broken bones. One written account described people as united by one common delusion said James Fowler, professor of medical genetics and political science at the University of California, San Diego. The dancers seem to hallucinate and lose control of their senses. To this day, no one knows what led so many people into the dancing fits. At the time, many people believed it was a curse. Some believe the 14th century dancing outbreak was an early example of a social contagion. Just as yawning and laughing can be contagious, experts think manic dancing can be as well. St. Vitus Dance, which began 637 years ago, is a medical condition known as Sindhahem Korea, named after the doctor who discovered it. The disease seems to resemble the manic dancing that took place in Europe in honor of St. Vitus, the patron saint of entertainers. The National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke describes Sindhahem Korea as a central nervous system disorder characterized by jerking movements, mostly the face, arms, legs, and hands. It's caused by infection. But many believe it's just a symptom of a social contagion we tend to imitate body language and the emotional state of people that we're with and we're not aware of it like if you yawn a person watching you is going to yawn i just think that what we're going through right now is a social contagion when you have hospitals and it tends to always be rich white elite people hospital doctors associations and the like trying to explain to young kids how to tuck, really, and what sex shops they can set up appointments at if they're under the age of 18. This is really bizarre stuff. It's like uh, USA Today, and there are awards for amazing women. Four of them aren't actually women. It's just, it's a social disorder sweeping through society, but this stuff happens. It eventually burns itself out. The question is, how many people are going to be damaged in the process? And I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. What is remarkable, though, this goes back to that YouGov poll yesterday I was talking about. Uh, less than one percent of the public considers itself transgender, and uh, but people think about a third of the country is twenty to thirty percent is. You know what's so interesting here is the number of them who are the number of people in this country who think numbers are higher in large part because of media coverage. So, you know, people think uh, like a quarter of the country make $500,000 or more. It's actually about 1% of the country that does. But the media gives so disproportionate coverage to it, and uh, politicians do as well, that people think there must be more when there aren't. It depends on what the media coverage is. When the media coverage is so dominant of one topic, that's where people go. And so we see this uh, with the transgender movement. We see it with the attacks on millionaires and billionaires. We see this across the country, and it gives disproportionate coverage based on media coverage and political attacks. And we should realize we're being held hostage by less than 1% of the population when it comes to stuff like this. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. you got the economy. you got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you.